Amen. Amen. You can have a seat, and our kids can have to be with our team in Redemption Kids. God, we ask that you would do in the hearts of the kids this morning as they go on their way. And I would like to invite the rest of you to open your copy of God's indestructible word to the book of Colossians. We'll be in chapter 2 this morning. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you can just follow along on the screen as we display those verses for us. Well, uh, super excited about this morning. It's uh, our fall kickoff. And uh, what that means is that uh, people are uh, beyond vacation season. College students are back. Can we give it up for our college students? Uh, we have our college students here at Redemption Health. And, uh, and it's also the season where we launch our groups and uh, get back into that rhythm of doing life together, not just on Sundays, but through the week. And uh, so you're going to hear more about that later. Um, and we always, at our fall kickoff, we always start a new sermon series just for a fresh start. And I'm really excited about this sermon series that's called Together for Boston. And we're calling it Together for Boston because there are 13 other churches scattered around greater Boston that are all focusing in on the same themes of this week, the gospel, next week, our city, and then the following week, uh, movement. We're going to be part of a movement because all of these churches share the same love for Jesus, the same love for this great city, and we share a common belief that we can be part of something bigger than ourselves when we see beyond ourselves. Don't miss that. Be part of something bigger than ourselves when we see beyond ourselves. And this is what is amazing about the, the family of God or the, the kingdom of God is that God brings us into a family where we're actually for one another. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I didn't show up you know, to Regina's this week with any kind of, you know, advertisement about other churches saying, like, yeah, we're so super pumped when you go eat your pizza at Wellington's or Nick's or, you know, that doesn't happen right like out there. It's all about competition and the bottom line. But for these churches, we're family. And when they win, we win. And when we win, they win. It's a really beautiful thing. And so we're going to be focusing in on these same three themes together, thinking about what they mean for our lives individually, but also for us as churches collectively. And this morning we're focused in on this absolutely fundamental truth and reality of the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. Right? Just gospel means good news. It is the good news that God is redeeming people to himself and restoring his good creation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. And what we're going to zoom in on this morning is actually only one sentence in the Bible that tells us about how the gospel is good news about a gift to receive, a king to follow, and a life to live. And so what I want to do is just read these two verses, one sentence for us out of Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 6. And moving in through verse 7, that help us see what the gospel is all about. This is what Naomi and Paul wrote a couple millennia ago. This is what he says. Therefore, as you receive Christ 
Jesus the Lord. So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Paul begins by saying, therefore, just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now this word to receive means to take as your own. When you, when you receive something from someone else, you take it as your own. The gospel is a gift to receive. Now, who, who in the room doesn't enjoy receiving a gift? I mean, anyone just, hey, I don't like a gift, not about gifts, you know, like, okay, that's right. Every, everyone, right? Why is that? It's because God has made us in such a way that in our entirety of our lives, we are to be givers and receivers, right? And so I think about even just this, this watch right here. Maybe some of you check out this new watch. I got it in, in May. Uh, this, this was uh, given to me. It's a pretty sweet watch. It's a Nixon watch. Surfers wear Nixon uh, discovery, which means a lot to me. Um, but uh, I don't surf, but it means it's asking about it. Um, but, 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 but this watch, this watch, not only do I, I like the watch, but, but I really love this watch because why? It was given to me by my children. That's what drives the value of a gift through the roof. Not only what it is, but who it is that gave it to you. And so the breathtaking reality for us this morning is that God himself wants to give each one of you the very greatest gift. And that is the gift of Jesus himself. But there are two things that we need to seriously consider about a gift this morning, okay? Number one, there's two sad realities about gifts. Okay? Number one, they can actually be rejected, right? They're like, hey, I don't want this gift. I, mean, I, I might think I know what it is. Or, I mean, I like that person. No gift from them, you know? So gifts can be rejected. But then number two, gifts can also be misunderstood. And I think this is where so many people, so many people think they understand what it means to receive the gift of Jesus from God, and yet there are major misunderstandings going on. Let me give you five potential misunderstandings. Perhaps you've lived under these misunderstandings in your life. Maybe, maybe even today you're still holding on to some of these misunderstandings and you haven't received the real gift that God wants to offer you today. The first misunderstanding is that Receiving Jesus means receiving certain facts about him. We could call this, college students, welcome back, we could call it the study group thing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I know you guys, you guys, you just love school, you study so hard. When you show up to study group, you're running things, everybody's listening to you, okay? But listen, what, what the reality from Pastor Tanner was, when I was in college, I loved study groups because, yeah, I paid attention to class, I took good notes, but, but you know, I depended on those study groups to be that final moment of cramming information into my head, and then about a week or two later, somehow it just mysteriously floated out of my brain. And this is how some people like think that faith works. It's like, hey, um, I believe that God is real. I believe that he created everything. I believe that he sent Jesus into the world. I believe Jesus lived a perfect life. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I even believe that Jesus rose from the, the dead. And yet, they remain 18 inches from heaven. And what I mean by that is this. 
The news about Jesus has touched their mind, but it has not touched their heart. It's just mere knowledge. It hasn't brought them into a life of transformation. And so, the first misunderstanding is that of just receiving fact. Another misunderstanding we could, we could say is, um, is inheriting a spiritual heritage. You know, it's like, if it's good enough for grandma, it's good enough for me. And because grandma was so good, then I must be good with God. Maybe that's you. You're just like, you know, it's like, you think like faith is an inherited reality. It is kind of like passed on through our DNA. But what we see here is that this is a gift that God offers each individual person, and it must be received by his person. We don't, we don't get into a relationship with God based on someone else's devotion. Misunderstanding number three, that, that receiving Jesus means modifying our behavior. Right? It's like, uh, I do enough good things. If I treat people with respect, if I show kindness like each and every day, then, then surely, like, at the very end, God will accept me. And I think if we were just to kind of walk the streets of Boston and we were to ask people, hey, do you believe in an afterlife? Most people would say yes. And if you were to ask people, like, well, then, and once you get to that afterlife, how, how do you know that you'll spend it with God? And most people would, would say, well, I'm a, I'm a good person, right? I try, to, I try to be a good person. But the major flaw here, the major misunderstanding is that we fail to recognize how our imperfections don't mix with the perfections of God. We can never get there on our own effort. I mean, the, this is what the gospel says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God so that no one can boast in what they've done. And so we receive salvation. We receive the gift of Jesus by God's grace, something we don't deserve through faith, trusting in who he is and what he's done, not by our own efforts. Misunderstanding number four is, is like number three, not only modifying behavior, but maybe just practicing certain religious practices. You know, like, yeah, I show up to church sometimes, I show up redemption hill, um, you know, I pray, I even find the Bible interesting. And so some people confuse receiving Jesus with just practicing certain religious acts. And that's not enough either. And then here's one, and maybe this would hit even more personally for you in your journey. A lot of times we receive Jesus as kind of a quick fix. You can call this maybe like pharmacy faith. Like we get in that spot where it's like, God, my life is not going too good. I need your help here. I thank you for this 30-day prescription of spiritual pills. I'm going to pop them, refill as needed. But then when I'm starting to feel a little bit better, God, it's like, holler at you later, you know? And in this, what we begin to discover is that we don't really want God for God. We want God for us. It's not how we receive Jesus. It's not enough just to believe certain things about him or 
have a, have a great you know, family or, or, or change our behaviors or our practices or, or just come to God every now and again, right? Receiving Christ, receiving this gift of the gospel means that we receive, we take in all of who Jesus is and all that he's done for us in his life, death, and resurrection that we just see. So the gospel is a gift to receive. If you have yet to receive this amazing, breathtaking gift that God offers you, there is no better time than to do so today. And when we take in all the food Jesus is, we begin to realize that when we receive the gift, we are receiving a key to follow. We see this in the next phrase that Paul puts out here in verse 6. Look back at it with me. He says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. The, the Greek, did you know that the Bible, the New Testament was written in the Greek language? And if we were to translate it out literally, this phrase, Christ Jesus the Lord, is five words in the Greek translated out, the Christ Jesus the Lord. And so what we have here in this, uh, and by the way, this is the only place in the New Testament where it's phrased just like this altogether. Paul uses different combinations, but this is the only place where it says, the Christ Jesus, the Lord. Three titles, three names. Let's work backwards to each of them. Number one, Jesus is the Lord. And this is none other than the title for God himself. I mean, there's, there's a claim, there's, there's, there's so many claims throughout. Don't, don't, don't believe everything you hear on the streets from different religions. It's like, oh, Jesus never said he was God. Jesus, like, he says it and he implies it all over the place. And everyone who believed in him and were willing to lay down their life for him believed that Jesus was God. But not only that, we see that he's not only the Lord, but he is Jesus. Okay? He was the Son of God who was born into the world, given this name Jesus, which was a very common name, but was uh, embodied in an uncommon way, because Jesus means God saves. Jesus is the Savior. This is, so, this is the good news, right? that, that God came to us in the person of Jesus, and he came to rescue us out of all of our brokenness. Jesus came, the, the word salvation so often in the New Testament, it means to heal. Jesus came to heal us in the very deepest parts of our lives where we need healing. Don't even ask you today, like, what, 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 what's broken in your life? Where do you need the touch of God, God's salvation, to heal you in the deepest, darkest places of your life in order to restore you and to bring you back into this place of thriving with God? He's the Lord. He is Jesus. And he is the Christ. And I want to spend most of our time thinking about this title because for Jesus to be the Christ means that he is God's long-promised Messiah who was born of King David's line who would establish a forever kingdom that would be never to be destroyed. That's, that's why Jesus came. He came to be a king. He came to be our king. 
And I know, I was thinking through this this week, you know, and it's like, um, and I'm sure you do this if you're a Christian, you think about maybe your friends who don't believe in Christ yet, and, and you know, it's like, how do, we, how do we talk about what we really believe? And, and then there are certain things in the Bible that are just kind of hard to explain, or if they're not hard to explain, they're hard for people to hear, right? And I think about this title of Jesus being the king. I think we get kind of apprehensive, maybe a bit nervous. It's like, well, you know, he's the king, then what does that mean for me? And I think we have maybe three reservations about Christ being king. One is because we live in a land, we live in a time, and this is not new, by the way, uh, where our kings are just quite simply not that great. You know what I'm saying? It's like, mm, maybe some are not too bad. But, you know, we, we live under the leadership of people who are very, very imperfect. I mean, we can just even think about our country right now and how many, how many signs and, you know, um, you know, Pictures on Facebook have we seen, you know, whatever you think about our president, whether you, whether you love him, whether you uh, don't love him at all, uh, but there's so many people, what helped us not right? not my president, right? And, and that may be you, you're like, that, that's you, or and you may be on the flip side of just like, oh man, like, I don't love our president, but you know what, I, I respect the presidency, but, but, but that's kind of beyond the point here, because what we all need to be faced with is the reality that we have all held up a sign in our life to God, and we are saying, you are not my king. You're not my king. And why is that? It's because we fundamentally want to keep. We want to call the shots. We want to be in control. And there can be such a fear, the third kind of reality in this, uh, about why we get nervous about God being king. We're not sure he's a good king, you know what I'm saying? He might be a king that exists to restrict us or oppress us or kind of, you know, uh, limit what we want to do in our lives, the good things that we can experience. But what we find when we really peer into the pages of the Bible and we get to know this king, that this, this king is... Sovereign, wise, and good. Did you hear that? I want to write that down. Write it, write it like this. Sovereign, wise, and good. If you just want to write that down, because what you're going to see is there's a little acronym on Sovereign, wise, and good. He's a king with swag. Come on. Come on. Our God has swag. He is sovereign. That means he's powerful. He's in control. He does whatever he wants. Nothing can, nothing can uh, get past him. But not only is he all-powerful and sovereign, he is also wise. What I love about God's wisdom is that he works toward perfect ends, or his goals are perfect, but how he gets there is also perfect. That's his wisdom. God sees it all, and he knows how to get there. He knows how to get us there. Who would have dreamed up the cross of Christ? It's God's wisdom. A crucified Savior, a crucified Messiah? Dying to bring us life, it makes no sense. We couldn't have dreamed it, yet it's the wisdom of God. God is sovereign, God is wise, and God is good. He has a good heart. And in all that he does for us and toward us, he has a benevolent heart. Think about that word benevolence. It, it works out for our benefit. When, when, when Jesus invites us to follow him as king, he is inviting us into the greatest story and the greatest reality. He's not an oppressor. He is a liberator. He came and lived and died and rose again to bring us absolute freedom 
The freedom that we deep down long for. It's a freedom from the, the things that hold us back and that, that are our ultimate enemies, right? I mean, the freedom from our sin. The sin that holds us down, the bad things that we do that we don't really want to do. He frees us from our shame. He frees us from death itself. But what I love about Jesus, I checked this out, maybe this is news to you today, new news, is that Jesus not only frees us from these things, but he frees us to something else. And so the moment that Jesus frees us from our sin and shame and death, he is freeing us to righteousness, honor, and life. And the crazy thing is that he does this by becoming sin, being shame, and dying for us. So that if we would just simply open our hands and receive the gift and follow the key, we can begin this new journey with him. Do you, how do you see the implications here that Paul is laying out? He says, therefore, just as you receive, see these people received Christ as their Savior and their God, their key. And so the, 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 the turning point for us, okay, the, the crossroads moment for us in life is when we move from this place of saying Jesus is King, Savior, and God to saying Jesus is my King, He is my Savior, He is my God. This is the good news that God is inviting us into this new place following a new king. I just want to ask you, have you, have you started this journey? Perhaps today is a, is a day for a new beginning for you. You would just say, you know what, this is, this is new news to me, and it is good, and I want to start this relationship with God through Jesus. I want to follow him. I want to stop calling the shots in my life. I want to stop being, trying to be my own savior. I want to stop trying to be my own God. I want to follow the truth, say the truth, the truth. The gospel tells us about a gift to receive, a king to follow, and a life. When, when we truly discover that Christ is king and he invites us to follow us, then all of a sudden we begin to realize that wherever he goes, whatever path he is leading us down, and we're following him, we're following him into a whole brand new life. And so Paul, when he says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, he is giving us the information that we need in that the good news not only gets us into a relationship with God. So maybe maybe you're here today and you're like, hey Tanner, you know, I've already received the gift, I'm already following the key. And I'm sure you're not saying that like that because this news is so good we can just hear it again and again and again. Right? Right? But it's not just the good news that gets us in. But the good news informs, motivates, and empowers every area of our lives. 
And that, that's what Paul is, is pointing us to when he says, just as you received him, so walk in him. The way that you started is the way that you continue. We, we, we heard Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Andrew, if you don't mind, put it back on the screen. Okay? For by grace you have been saved through faith. Right? This is how, this is how we are saved. Paul, Paul says right here, for by grace you have been saved through faith. How do we start the Christian life? By God's grace, through faith, right? It's, it's, a, it's a free gift. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Faith is turning our whole lives over to Christ. And Paul says, guess what? On Not only just day one, when you start the journey, but day 10,001, you live it by grace, through faith. Thank you. And day 10,002. By grace. And this is a revelation. I, I don't know, maybe maybe you've already discovered this. I, I think it wasn't until my college years, not until my college years, that I really started to understand the fullness of grace and how all of life is all of grace. I view my relationship with God and His grace as kind of like this ignition switch. You know what I'm saying? It's like you get in your car, you put the key in the ignition, and you turn the key, and that's what God's grace did. But for me to actually get anywhere, it required a lot of effort, sweat, and willpower of my own to produce it. Maybe that's you today. And maybe if you know better, you're living like that. But the reality of the goodness of the gospel is that the grace of God ignites the engine. It is the engine. It is the gas in the tank. And it is the debit card that pays for everything. That's how, that's how robust the gospel is. And that's how God wants us to live in it every single day of our lives. It's not receive and then do your own thing. It's receive and keep receiving and receiving and receiving and receiving. So Paul continues and he goes on to describe four ways that we continue to walk in. Look at these four descriptions with me. Number one, he says, we're rooted, and I'm going to just keep reading, in him. So we are rooted in him. We are rooted in Christ. Like a, a, a flourishing tree with deep roots by streams of water, we become unflappable. We become uh, that which is flourishing, pr- producing uh, Massive amounts of fruit, what God designed us for. Like, like living, in other words, living a life that actually is, is positively making a difference in the lives of people around us because we are rooted in Him, Jesus. But it's not only rooted in Him, because that's an agricultural metaphor, then He shifts to an architectural metaphor. He says, not rooted in Him, but built up in Him. And how many of you just drive into Boston or even around Metford and Somerville, Assembly Grove, and we see all of these buildings just continue to pop up and rise around our city? And God says that that's what your life is to be like. Just that these buildings are rising and, and there's progress and there's change. When you follow King Jesus, there's going to be progress and change. And the kind of change that God brings is actually changing us to be like the king. 
Now we're starting to love what he loves and want what he wants and, um, and, and feel what he feels and do what he does. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Rooted in him, built up in him. Don't you see that as we receive, we still continue. This is what Jerry Bridges in his book, The Discipline of Grace, talks about when he says, listen to this. Your best, your, your worst days, sort of thing, your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And yet, your best days are never so good that you're beyond your need for God's grace. You see that? It's grace every single day. It's bad. God's pouring out his grace. He's there for me. It's grace. It's great because God's grace is flowing to me. And I need more. So we're rooted in Christ. We're built up in Christ. We're established in the faith, the faith of Jesus, just as we are taught. And don't you see the picture of just how, how solid our lives become when we turn them over to Jesus? I mean, we all, we're, we're human beings, we all struggle, even if we're in Christ, and we struggle, we have anxieties, and we lack confidence, and, and we feel insecure and unstable. And yet, when our identity is rooted in Christ, we can become the most secure people, with the most confidence, free, remember that whole freedom from, freedom, freedom from, freedom to, right? Freedom from our anxieties, to have peace in our minds and in our hearts. This is what happens when we're rooted and built up in and established in faith. And as we as we see what it's like to live out this identity in Christ, then, then we start to abound with thanksgiving. This poor thing Paul says right here, just as you were talking, abounding in thanksgiving. And this is just a natural outflow or overflow of saying, God, your grace is so rich. It's so abundant. It keeps chasing me down and being poured out to me every single day. And now I realize that everything I have in my life is a gift from you. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above. The Father of lights, James 1, 17. And so I, I hope, I hope that as you have this new life to live, you've stepped into the life of Christ, that you are discovering afresh that, that you need God's grace just as much today as you ever did when you started the journey with Jesus. C.S. Lewis says it like this. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe the Son has not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. This is what being a Christ follower means to me, and it is what being a Christ follower should mean for everyone. Jesus is the Son. And so, in light of who he is, now, not only do I see who he is, but now I see everything else in my life. This is such a comprehensive gift that, that God gives us. The gospel, so the gospel is not everything, all right? The gospel is the good news about what Christ has 
done, what he accomplished when he said on the cross, it is finished. Okay, the gospel is good news about what Christ has done, but now because of what he's done, it affects everything in our lives. So that now it changes the way I'm a parent and I love my kids and I speak to my kids and I try to, uh, you know, discipline or, or encourage or, 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 or even play with, you know, my, my children. It changes the way I'm a husband to my wife. It changes the way I work every day. It changes the way I think about what I eat and how I treat my body. It changes the way I see people. It changes the way I think about uh, destinies and, and where uh, I'm going in life. It changes my outlook. It changes my hope. It gives me a peace that, that you can't even un understand if you don't experience it yourself. This is how radical the good news of Jesus is, that it's that kind of gift that gives you this kind of life. So in this, we see that following Jesus is not a Sunday. It's a Monday, and a Tuesday, and a Wednesday, and a Thursday, and a Friday, and a Saturday. And then it's the next Sunday. And it's Jesus all up in our business on Monday. And it's Tuesday for Jesus, and Wednesday all about Jesus, and Thursday, give me some more Jesus, right? I mean, this is, I love this, and I, and I love helping people understand, because so many people have a misunderstanding, like, oh, that's just for Sunday. Oh, that's just for church stuff. No, 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 no. The gospel changes everything. Everything. So my prayer for you today is that you would see the gospel changes everything. And that you would experience. You would experience. What a great gift it is. And that you would follow Jesus. So what I want to do is I want to invite you Dan to, to come up and lead us in a couple of songs of response. But as they come, I want you to, to zoom in. Do not miss this. I know when like, people start moving, we can get distracted and we can like, kind of lose the moment here. But, but what I want you to, to hear is this. Uh, Tim Keller, pastor who uh, served in New York City, recently uh, retired, but still doing his thing, writing and speaking, um, he said this about the gospel. He says, the gospel is not the ABCs of the Christian life. It's the A to Z. It's not the ABCs, it's the A to Z. And here's, here's what I'm inviting you into today. For some of you, I just know this. And I know in a room this large, we have people who are exploring Christianity and learning more about Jesus. Uh, every single week at Redemption, one thing we love most about our church. For some of you today, you need to receive the gospel as the ABCs, as the starting point. And what I love, what can even give you some more just excitement and confidence, is that these 14 churches that we threw up on the map, I mean, this is happening all over Boston. It is a new day, spiritually speaking, in the city of Boston. Guess what? Only one of those 14 churches were here 10 years ago. Come on. God's doing something in this city. He's waking people up spiritually. There is new life popping up all over this city as new churches are telling people about Jesus and people are stepping into the life of Christ. And so if that's you today, maybe you're saying, hey, ABC, that's me, I need to start. Well, this is pretty neat. It's as simple as ABC, like what it means to start. It's just simply admitting that you need God in your life because of your sin, that your sin separated you from him. 
Be believing in who Jesus is and what he's done. And C, committing to follow him. And so if, if that's you today, and you just would say, hey, I want to start with Christ. I want to, I want to follow him. And you can cry out to God and do that today. But for all of us, myself included, it's, maybe it's not the ABCs, but we all need the A to Z. We all need the gospel to inform, motivate, and empower all that we're doing in our lives. And so whatever it is, I want to lead this in a time of prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray as I pray. And just call out to God, cry out to God, say, God, I'm, I'm starting, I'm stepping in, I'm, I'm, I'm saying yes to this gift, yes to you as my king, yes to, you, to this life that you invited me to live. And for all of us, that we would just put a bigger yes on the table. God, this week, my Monday, my Tuesday, it's all for you. It's all by your power. So I'm going to invite our prayer team to come down as I pray. You're, you're invited just to come down. and Maybe you're praying that prayer. And you say, I need somebody to pray with me and to help me, encourage me in this new journey. Maybe you have other burdens in your life and you just want to share with somebody. Whatever it is, we're here to pray for you as we stand and as we see. Let me pray. God, thank you. Thank you for this life-giving word that tells us about the life Jesus lived and the life that he came to bring us. And God, we pray that you would do such an amazing work in each person's life here today, God, that there wouldn't be one person that walks out of these doors not changed by you because they aren't receiving the gift, either for the first time or again. And so, Lord, would you do your good work? Would you do your good work of salvation? Would you do your good work of transformation? All for your glorious name we pray. Amen. If you would, let's stand and sing. If you need prayer for anything, maybe you're starting the journey today, you're saying, hey, I'm all in. I want to follow Jesus as my king. Come and let someone know that so we can pray for you, so we can encourage you. Perhaps you have another need in your life. You're just saying, hey, I want to experience the power of God tomorrow when I hit the clock. Tomorrow, when I'm today, how about today when I'm parenting my kids or interacting with my roommates and it's just so challenging, but we're here to pray for you to encourage you as we sing.